0: Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد If you look at many of these اذكار that we've just read you have Allahu وَلِيُّ Ladina Amanu, you have Allahu وَلِيُّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ So this is saying the same thing in two different ways it's saying that Allah is the Wali of those who believe. Uh, Wali means, although we've translated it here as friend because that is probably the single term, that is one single term uh, that uh, gives an impression of what this word means. Uh, A friend is someone, a real friend, not just an associate, not just an accomplice, not just a colleague, not just uh, somebody you know for convenience or for need times, but somebody who is really, really your friend. And we don't generally understand that level of companionship even between humans anymore, because what it is, uh, there's a book of Imam Ghazali, which is actually, I read it as a translation first by, I believe Muhtar Holland, uh, who did a translation of one of the chapters of the Ihya Ulumiddin, <coughs> and it was about the etiquettes of brotherhood, and it was quite amazing that, the level they were speaking about, they were talking about he spoke about different types of companionship which then translates into a partnership <clears throat> and then then what it brought for me uh, memories of kitabush sharika in fiqh which is there are different types of partnerships and one of those partnerships is where two people make an agreement that everything we both own becomes shared and i could you could never understand that uh, the only manifestation of that I've probably seen are in some families where uh, the brothers are all living together and they share everything. Otherwise, for two strangers to do that, it was... But that those types of things did take place. So we're talking about really being there for the other person, like as though they are, your, they are you. So if anything happens to them, you'll feel it, you'll do something for it. Now, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes on any kind of uh, role... He's going to fulfill it in the fullest and most perfect manner so if Allah is and he's saying this is a declaration and he said it in two different ways Allah and Allah uh, Allah is the wali that means the friend the guardian the patron the caretaker the assistant just imagine everything that you can think of and he's not just another friend who may Sometimes be in need themselves Who may sometimes have a bad day They may have fallen sick They may be in a vulnerable situation but Allah is always independent, perfect So He's always going to be there So that's the declaration that Allah is making on His side The problem with us is that we don't reciprocate that We though have empty words that we are His servants And we make our Salat But it's not really in the real spirit of connection and friendship and association for example if you are a if you're a teacher if you've ever been a teacher or taught anything to anyone and the student or your child or whoever it is comes in front of you and um, or, or, or that the student just comes and says the lesson you you can tell by their body language their delivery uh, uh, what kind of interest they're they Uh, They are showing in what they're doing You can tell whether they really got their heart in it Whether they've spent time behind it Whether they mean what they're saying Or they're just doing it just to get away Uh, You can tell by their body language Now look at our body language with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Salat is where we should be doing this We should be showing Him This is where we're we're basically submitting ourselves So you think Allah is now, the thing is that we can tell these things with students, though we don't know the unseen. We just gauge these things. And we could be wrong sometimes. We could be wrong. Sometimes Somebody, there are people who have this kind of externally, seemingly, apparently uh, careless behavior, but they don't really mean that inside. But that, those aren't exceptions. Those are exceptions. I just want to give that allowance there, because that is a possibility. But mostly, we judge everything ec- from the external behavior and the external signs. Allah doesn't just look at the external, He knows the internal. So He knows how we're feeling. And yet, you know, we can just quickly go and put down a few rakats just to fulfill. And th- these are the religious ones, right? You know, there's <coughs> these are the religious ones who actually do pray. Then we do a quick dua after salah, we put our hands together. And, uh, it's just like somebody, uh, they have to read their lesson, they just came in. They blurted a few words and then ran out again. You have absolutely no, you know, you can't do anything to them. You're going to definitely think that this guy is such a careless guy. He just came in and you have, you'll have no attention towards that student. Think, forget him. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does that with us, that forget this guy. What's the point of him? Look at his approach. Look at that other student. Look at that other servant. When he comes, when he does pray, look at the way he prays. He really means it. He really expresses it when he does dhikr, he really means it he's really like concentrates okay read uh, you know read that chapter so kind of read it, but our minds are somewhere else. do your muraqabah, but our minds are somewhere else. we can't help it because we have no you know we don't have we don't concentration is a is is a premium nowadays because nobody can concentrate in this world we're so distracted with all of the different things that are taking place around us the because this is obviously a very specific majlis what i've discovered after you know having these majalis for 7 8 months and of course you know you guys are here but it's been recorded for those who are unable to come because um, there's lots of people outside london they they can't come but what i have noticed is that being in the Sohbah, because that's where, because all we're doing is we're doing it based on the Sunnah of Rasulullah and the Sahaba. The greatest benefit that you actually get is to be in the Majlis. Because that is what rejuvenates you and makes you stronger and feel revived so that you'll go back and do your Dhikr. When you haven't been in good company for a while, you start slacking out. That's the whole point of the Rabita system that we have. Like it's hardwired into the six points, right? Into the six steps. It's hardwired. Rabita is very important. Most Rabitas in the world take place by attending the majlis. That's the Rabita. The Sheikh sees you there. He sees, you know, what's going on. We get together. Um, Nowadays, because that's difficult and uh, people are around the world and, you know, the world is a much bigger place, that's why we use email and phone and all these things right now. But what happens is, let's just say that you haven't done anything. So before I used to say, three weeks. Let me know in three weeks. But three weeks is a long time. Three weeks, four weeks, what's the difference? You just feel, you lose track. So I'm saying now, every week. Because if you really want to be serious in this, then that's the way it's going to have to be. Many, many people will become murid. I've observed this with many other shiuk. Many, many people will become murid. Sometimes the hype of it. Right, because whoever the person is, uh, you know, like I'm talking about other people, they're very famous, like big, you know, internationally acclaimed shayyuq and peers, and etc. They'll become bad because somebody else did or whatever. But at the end of the day, the, the sheikh doesn't have time to go around to everybody. It's like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? You know, the the serious ones will be a percentage. So if you're serious about this, you have to be that percentage that benefits because that's the only way you will benefit. This is all about talab. It's all about talab. And one of the most effective things that I have seen is the majlis. Because I know that when I have gone into etikaf or when I have met my shaykh during hajj or during a visit to him uh, or whatever, that will help me now for the next few months. It just charges the battery. And if I haven't, then I know it affects. It's a ajeeb system. It's an ajib system. Because at the end of the day, the talab has to be shown from you. There's no magic in this way. So, what happens with the Rabita is that you haven't, you know, sometimes we haven't been very regular, so you think, well, I can't write no. now. But that's not the point of the Rabita. The Rabita is not to show your success stories, the Rabita is to show your state, whatever it is. It's the whole point of the Sheikh. If it's just about, okay, I've, I've you know, this is my accomplishment, and then you, you tell him, then he's not there to just listen to your good times. He's there to, to the, the pressure is there that I have to report. At the end of the week, I have to be there in the measures, I have to respond in email or whatever it is. So, look, I haven't been able to do anything this week. You like, feel that guilt and say it. So, next week, you know, you might feel less guilt, uh, you might feel uh, that you have to do more to not feel guilty next week uh, so that you will actually do something. So, it's very important to keep up the rabita, very important. Um, we commit sins, and shaitan will then tell you, okay, because of your sins, you can't do your dhikr. You know, sometimes I can do my tasbihat. They're easy to do because I can do them when I'm driving or walking on the bus. They're easy to do. You pull out a tasbih and you do, you don't have to have too much concentration. Meaning, you, you should have, but meaning uh, you can get away with that one. Muraqabah, you can't get, get away without concentration because that requires concentration for it to be a proper muraqabah, right? So you have to really try in that. You have to exert. Now, we're not used to exerting pressure on ourselves. Everything has been made easy in this world for us in the current time and climate. So uh, unfortunately, we're a product of that. Uh, So people think that just because I'm sinning, now we all commit some kind of sin or the other. There's failures that we have. Because of my sin, I can't do my dhikr. Absolutely, there is a connection there. There's no doubt about that. But... How are you going to stop yourself from sinning? Are you going to stop yourself from sinning first before you start doing your muraqabah regularly? Personally, I believe it's the other way around, very strongly, because the whole point of the muraqabah, and understand the dynamic here, when a person doesn't have a strong inner dimension that is not connected, that is not connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if a person is not connected to Allah, that means they're weak inside. Now, when they're approached by a sin, because they've got weakness, their willpower will be very, very low. Their willpower will be very weak because their nafs is stronger because there's no inner strength. The heart is dead or mal- malnourished. So there's no way you can avoid the sin. Very difficult. You may temporarily do it because of some something that happens, some ibrah, something that happens, uh, uh, something bad that happens or something that really hit you for a moment. But the effects of... Um, Generally, the effects of incidents don't last for too long. They last for a few days, and then you forget. We have uh, the faculty of forgetfulness. Uh, One of the detriments of it is this, though there are benefits of it as well. So until we don't develop our inside by doing the adhkar, then there's no way we can avoid sins, because we'll always fall prey to them. Even after doing the adhkar, you will still... You can still until you reach a very high status where, But at least you'll be able to get up and go And um, How much liquor do you have to do? There's no set amount Like somebody might say Well I do one hour of muraqabah But I still commit sins and That's absolutely a possibility That sin may be so ingrained in us For 14, 15, 20, 30 years in our life Or 5 years or whatever Well it may not just go straight away because the nafs is very strong so we're going to have to keep working on it and allah has given us the life for it well we might die in between without accomplishment that's fine as long as our intention is right and we're trying and if we get caught by death in trying allah will look at innamal a'malu bil khawatim innamal so all of these come into play and the most famous story we have that which is so often quoted that everybody knows it about the person who killed 99 people and the 100 people and gross crime, major crime That's not just a crime against Allah but a crime against humanity but he was forgiven and in fact Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, you can say doctored right? uh, the, the, the situation so that it made it positive for him because Allah goes by the niyat, so that's the thing that we have to realize: that we may die struggling, but that is beneficial, more beneficial and praiseworthy than giving up and not die struggling. Our life should be about struggle because that's the nature of this life, right? The, but there, generally, if you work hard enough, there is the status of wilayat where uh, the hadith, uh, Sahih hadith mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that the, the, my servants, they can't get close to me except by fulfilling the faraid that I have imposed upon them, uh, that's just to get even into the boundary, the faraid. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in a Hadith Qudsi, then after that they draw closer and closer and closer to me by the nawafil and additional acts that they do after fulfilling the obligations. So the obligations are necessary just to get into the boundary. But after that, it with the nawaf and the extra adhkar, etc., they'll get closer and closer and closer. And when we say closer, there is never, there's no limit to that. That closeness, which is then the journey to Allah, into Allah, there, there's it that's infinite because Allah is infinite. So we will never reach the Prophet wasallam. but that's not required from us. That's a special gifted state. Ours is an acquired state, whereas Prophets are gifted, right? So, we just have to keep trying. Then Allah says, Then I will become their hands by which they hold and touch, and their tongue by which they speak, and their ears by which they hear, and the eyes by which they see. So that's a high level that has to be proven. We do dhikr for six months, one year, and we think we've got that. We, why, why haven't we got that step? Why isn't it easy yet? Do you understand? The main thing is that we have to take satisfaction in the fact that at least we're trying. But we need to keep trying. And it's quite amazing that the more we do, the more this will open up in terms of its complexity. Uh, most Muslims, they don't understand the complexity of the spiritual system. They think it's a very straightforward, do a deed and you get a reward. They don't take into all of these, uh, the, most people don't, in, don't take into factors. Some people, they'll take into factor the ikhlas aspect. But then what niyyah should you have in your worship? How many people think about that? Beside the intention. like, Am I doing this for Allah? Am I doing this for paradise? Am I doing this to avoid hellfire? What's my focus? The more we get into this, the more it becomes more refined. That my gaze is now not just on paradise, but it's on the pleasure of Allah. Paradise is a carrot. In the sense that it's a reward system. The real system is if a person is just focused on paradise, doesn't focus on Allah, then he's missing the point. It's still a good thing, it'll help him, but the real point is to focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the more you get into this, you'll be amazed. It's a very complicated system. But unfortunately, in this world, the majority of us, um, for everything else in this world, we're very refined in our taste, we improve our taste, we get particular about things, what we want, what we need, The the the, the sophistication... When it comes to our deen, just grab the first thing you see on the shelf, the shop brand, generic. What everybody else is doing, that's what I'm doing. I think this is the biggest malady of the Muslim Ummah today. When we fast, the Muslim Ummah fasts, but they fast an off-the-shelf fast, just a generic fast. When you make our tarawih, it's the same thing. When you make our salat, it's just a salat. Okay, some people probably salat they focus a bit more because, mashallah, Allah rewards exactly for his fadail amal, fadail salat. That really does emphasize and does create so people maybe focus more on their salat but then they miss the fact that they don't understand what they're reading so they're they're missing out on 50 percent or more of the benefit that they could gain in their salat if they knew what they were reading if you know what you're reading you know what allah is saying and you're saying that that's the whole point of it so i would really suggest that we know what we're saying in the Salat, that every salik should know that every salik should know the tasbihat of salat, and you should take out two weeks to to, to go through go slowly, slowly. One day, just learn Subhan Rabbi Subhan Rabbi azim You know, because Subhanallah, we um, uh, the tasbihat Just learn them. Just focus on them. It'll take it'll take a few days, but eventually, it will just become second nature. Subhan Rabbi azim I know what I'm saying. You don't even to have to translate it. You'll just understand it. You'll know what you're saying. So that's very important. So it's muraqabah out of all of the azkar that we do, the whole, the, the 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 strongest, most beneficial, and most powerful is the muraqabah. because that will then provide the the necessary ikhlas, focus, and concentration even in the salawat that we do, and in the istighfar that we do. Otherwise, we'll just say We'll just say it a hundred times. It's done. But then that is what, because that will force us to concentrate there. We learn concentration. Then our salats, we can, but you do muraqabah for, you get to about half an hour or something. And then after that, you see that you can, you can take that into salat. You can't do muraqabah in salat, by the way. Even if you're behind the imam and you're not doing it, you're not allowed to like be there and then, uh, you know, be doing the official, you know, the, the formal muraqabah. It's not allowed because that's a different act. Salat is a different act. But you are doing a type of muraqabah in salat. That's all point of it. It's hudur. In front of Allah, so the muraqabah you do in salat is that, is of salat. Allahu Akbar. Allah is greatest. You, and then suddenly you've just constrained yourself to Allah for those four rakats or two rakats, and then my heart is connected to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. That meaning I am worshiping Him. So it's not this muraqabah. You can't do the wuku, the qalbi and you know you can't do all of that in uh, in. Um, although you might you know a lot of people attempted to do so because they think well you know this is the perfect time for it but you can use the concentration that you gain through muraqabah here right and that's one of the purposes of that so generally in the each tariqa generally speaking will have something that is there to help develop the concentration because the crux of everything is concentration because without concentration it's devoid it's spiritless it's without ruh so the concentration is there so, the Chishtis, we have the system of la ilaha illallah. Again, that is to develop a focus and get Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala into the heart. The Naqshbandis, they have the, the dhikr qalbi. Then you have other tariqahs that have different things. So that is the, the, the one of the main things. And sometimes those methodologies that they use, they are innovations. Though saying la ilaha illallah, saying Allah, there's, that's being said, Allah what you'll what you'll find is that there's a lot of people out there most of it taken from Ibn Taymiyyah, uh, that to say just allah allah is a bid'ah and they re- when i first time i heard that it just really defied my mind like how can you say that but their reasoning is that because they're so literalists those so zahiri so literalists they say that there's never clearly mentioned in the Quran or hadith that you can just say Allah, Allah, Allah It says you should say La ilaha illallah, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah But it never says say Allah, Allah So, okay, maybe not, right? Um, We haven't necessarily come across any hadith that says say Allah, Allah, Allah like So explicitly like that But neither does it ever prohibit it So from a purely usuli perspective for a principle uh, based discussion. It doesn't prohibit it, but, not, uh, no, sorry, it doesn't necessarily explicitly state that that is the way to do it or that is a way to do it, but neither does it ever prohibit it or anything even close to it. In fact, there are some verses and, of course, narrations which indicate that this is completely fine. So the positive, uh, so, so in, to do it. There's more dhalil Right? Just because you don't accept that implication of that or the indication of it doesn't mean that it's not allowed. Like you don't do it if you don't want to. But clearly Allah says, Wadkurisma Rabbik. What does that mean? Remember the name of Allah. So how do you do that? Right? How do you remember the name of Allah? kurisma Rabbik. Remember the name of your Lord That's what Allah says in the Quran So what what, what, You know when you read that What does that give you As an implication How do you remember The name of your Lord Right It doesn't say Read a formula of dhikr Right Wadhkur kalimata dhikri Or something like that It doesn't mention that It says Remember the name of your Lord Numerous places Right Ismi rabbik Ismi rabbik The name of your Lord The name is powerful So the, the ulama have understood to be the case from history. Right? So what's wrong with that? To say Allah, Allah. Now, with the way that we're generally doing dhikr, I mean, we're thinking about Allah now. It's a near that our heart is saying it. So there can't be any problem there anyway. But generally, for a lot of Sufis, it causes a big problem uh, from these people because they're so loud about it. And it all comes from Ibn Taymiyyah generally. That I'm not sure if he's the earliest person who said that, but definitely he's uh, one of the main uh, people who's pushed that idea. And then these people, they're just muqallids. They're just pure blind followers of that. So that's why they, they, they don't think about the different delils, right? Because once I did have a discussion with somebody about this issue. And I said, look, but Allah says this. So although you could tell that his heart was saying, yeah, I can see that, but it was very difficult for him to accept because he's a muqallid. They do more taqleed than, they, they do as much taqleed. In fact, sometimes probably more taqleed than other people. Um, but anyway, that's a polemical issue Which we don't want to You know, Our focus is the spiritual uh, But just, just to make you feel comfortable That if you're ever questioned about this Number one, Alhamdulillah um, Though, inshallah, we have the, the barakat And the blessings of both the Chishti and Naqshbandi tarikas The only reason we use the Naqshbandi way Is because it's a bit more organized In terms of And it's probably a bit more in sync In a way that you can get away with doing it Wherever you are You can be sitting on a bus you have to go to Finsbury Park from here, 20 minute ride. Well, what's the point of just sitting there looking around or, or reading the the standard or the metro? Just sit there and do 20 minutes of muraqabah. Who cares? People are just going to think you're slumbering. Alhamdulillah. But if you have to sit and do some other kind of dhikr, it's difficult. It's very powerful. Other types of dhikr are very powerful as well. But this has the power uh, in its silence. It's amazing. It's a very sober way. And if you read the history of this system from Baha'uddin Naqshband, it's uh they say dust bakar dil bayar your hand is is active meaning your physical self is your outer self is active in work but your heart is connected to Allah that is that is what we're hoping for so it's a very modern form and procedure of the sawf. when i say modern i don't mean of the 21st century i just mean modern in the sense that it's not about asceticism you know the naikshmandis are hardly ever ascetics I mean, neither are the chishtis the chishtis are even more out there right uh, in terms of their nazams and nats and things i mean you'll find this in all of the tariqas but the tariqa by itself is very sober in that sense and the whole focus of it is get on your work that's why uh, you you'll see that um there's a lot of successful people that will also be connected to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, the big businessmen, but they they're connected. That's why the fifth point of the six points is the wukuf qalbi. The whole point of number four, the murakaba, is to get wukuf qalbi. And once you get wukuf uh, qalbi, and the lessons are very interesting. I mean, most of you, are, you know, you're probably in lesson one or two or something, but the first seven lessons, the first seven lessons, they all muraqabat on the different Lataif once you pass that the next two they are to because now until now you've been doing a, a Dhikr of the name of Allah Allah, Allah, Allah inside but the name of Allah is not Allah right the name of Allah is not Allah so then the next two Dhikrs the next two Asbaq sabak, lessons they are of what they call the tahleel tahleel lisani and tahleel qalbi which is la ilaha illallah there is no god there is no deity there is nothing worthy of worship except Allah so it is to take out even the name and just focus it's it's to go from (coughs) the the name itself to the named that's our maqsid after the ninth lesson all the other lessons are not muraqabat, they're all fikr. It goes from the dhikr to fikr, where you just sit and contemplate matters. Of course, different ones, and it gets really you know, more complicated in that sense. But that's the whole purpose of it. right? Because it's a proper system, very well-thought system by accomplished individuals, who said, okay, this is what you do first, this is what you do, and then it's been tried and tested over the centuries. But you have to work hard. The, the work for that To benefit from uh, to, to enliven the lataif, As you say The subtleties Because that will give you the warmth You can have all the successes in this world But if you feel devoid inside Then it's a spiritual crisis And what's the point So the most important thing Is that we feel that warmth inside Then who cares what happens in the world We're connected to <coughs> Allah That's the main accomplishment If Muslims can focus on that The, the ummah would change But we're focused on Islah of the outside without Islah of the inside. So we are essentially corrupted, uh, you can say corrupted, rusty systems that are trying to improve the external system. When you're messed up inside, the apple is rotten inside, what's the point of it? The focus should be on the inside and, of course, on the outside, but the focus has to be on the inside. So, individually speaking, right? Individually speaking, it doesn't matter when Mahdi comes because our death is closer to us than any Mahdi can come because it could be in the next minute. We're going to have to stand in front of our Lord. There, we can't complain about anything. So, it's about getting the inner system proper. So, this is just to revitalize us. Ramadan was a very good time. Hopefully, we've come out of it with a purer heart with more uh, control over our nafs than we had before. But it's your muraqabah that's going to continue that strength and build that strength of the heart, and then you can deal with it. It's like, for example, a submarine. It has a certain amount of fuel. Then it goes into the water. It's surrounded by all that pressure. I mean, you know there's a lot of pressure inside. But it's got the fuel, it's got the fortification. When it loses fuel, and what's going to happen? It can't travel around and it's going to have to come back up. So our system is get enough fuel to last longer. And that's where you keep going refueled through the majalis and through your athkar and things. And you just keep going. We, in fact, we can stay underwater forever. We have to. We're in the world that the world is our water. We're surrounded by it. But we just need to keep refueling. We have a system of refueling inside the water, which is just keep your athkar going and going and stay strong. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that tawfiq.